welcome back. You're tuned in to the ATP Supreme Court. Great that have you joined the broadcast today. You know, when the Civil War was winding down, there was a sense of urgency to create a plan for Black people to move forward from slavery. Not only as a collective, but as individuals and families with the capability to sustain themselves and live in the conceptual America where everyone was a free citizen with all the rights that were available to them. Now, those are the words of my good friend, our special guest today, and a piece that she has posted entitled, Black America, HBCUs are our 40 acres and a mule. But the Trina L. Coleman is an educational and IT consultant and host of Beyond the Classroom broadcast on HBCU Radio and HBCU Smart TV. She is in the physics. Today, we're discussing her most popular blog entitled Black America, HBCUs are our 40 acres and a mule. Dr. Trina Coleman, my good friend and colleague, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me. You know, I always like coming back and interfacing with you because we just go there. <laughs> We're yeah, going to go absolutely. there today. Absolutely, yes. absolutely, absolutely. Yes. I tell you, I read the piece. I'm excited. I know you've just been busting and waiting to you know, talk to me <laughs> about this. But again, what an incredible piece. Very informative, very powerful, very timely. Black America, HBCUs Ooh. are our 40 acres and a mute. There's been a lot of discussion back and forth. You know, we're in a big election, presidential election year and public mm-hmm. representations and that kind of thing. I love probably taking the time to um, just uh, contemplate the whole thing, HBCUs are my legacy. Please protect them. Listen, take the time and set this piece up and 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 talk to me. What inspired you to sit down and take time to actually um, pin this particular piece? Well, I'm going to put it real plain and simple. I was okay. just like shaking my head every time I saw somebody or heard somebody say, yay, yay, Congress approved the money forever for the future act for HBCUs. I'm like, y'all have skipped over all the important words in those news releases and those press releases that said HBCUs and MSIs. Mm. Now, not only that, the (laughs) Higher Education Act that was amended from 1964 to 1965 specifically defined what an HBCU was. And HBCU was any school created prior to 1964 specifically for the education of blacks in blacks and Americans. So there's words there, black American hmm. translation descendant of slave. <laughs> because if you were black and from another country, you don't hmm. count as right. one of those people say black Americans. Hmm. So I'm like, what are y'all jumping up and down for with this $255 million, which is really a drop in the bucket as mm. far as money and allocations are concerned. Some people's athletic budgets in these Big Ten schools are $255 million or more. Exactly. exactly. So I'm like, okay, we get happy over that. Not only that, read the fine print. You know how on TV when they have those things for title loans or something, and they had them little teeny letters at the bottom? Right, That's right. what the Future Act has in it. <laughs> Wow, a disclaimer. Disclaimer, Mm. and oh, by the way, um, y'all ain't getting all this money. MSI Mm. means this, that, the third. Do your research. So as a scientist, I did my Mm. research. Mm. I said, let me go and look at this future act, first of all. Then Mm -hmm. I went and looked back and saw what MSI was, PBI, 
HSI and all of those different designations now that once again put people into boxes. Mm -hmm. This country is in the business of putting people into boxes. Mm -hmm. We started out with two boxes originally as right. far as education was concerned. Mm -hmm. Theirs and theirs. Then we ended up with theirs and ours, which were right. HBCUs. One well, no mm -hmm. MSIs and none of that and TBIs and all that stuff. HBCUs right. So y'all don't have to go to our stuff, mm -hmm. which is what it was. Right. So um, one of the things that one of my guests said this past um, broadcast was so profound to me. Okay. She said that um, diversity and inclusion has been gentrified. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. wow. I had thought That's of the first that time I heard it. Okay, break that she down. Okay, diversity that. and inclusion has been Gentrified. I, got, okay, I see it. I got yes. you. Okay. I so got that's you. basically wow. what's going on with these categories <laughs> of institutions. Yeah. Interesting. Now, now they're making all these layers and levels. Mm. And so when the Future Act stuff was announced, like I said, I'm like, come on, y'all. Mm. Come on, for real. They mm. put the HBCUs and the PBIs together. Right. Mm. Now, schools can change categories mm. if they're not HBCUs. You cannot change and become an HBCU because right. you weren't in, created before 1964. So there right. will be no more HBCUs. If we lose every last one of them, mm. we will no longer have an institution set up specifically for the education of mm. black Americans. Mm. There will be no more HBCUs. Mm. They'll be rolled into other stuff or either, you know, mm -hmm taken over and merged or, you know, some states have already tried to do that mm -hmm. to yeah. grow, make HBCUs um, part of one of the, the flagship uh, right. universities in that Merging state. together, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, down so, in Georgia, uh, yes. maybe Albany Louisiana state. has Alabama, tried it. Things like that, right. So that was the inspiration behind me writing this piece because it was a light bulb moment for me. Mm -hmm. to say, you know, plus, you know, I'm still, I'm here in Virginia, as everybody right. knows, and we're still dealing with this whole 1619 stuff. So right. we we still processing here mm -hmm. in, in Hampton Roads. Right. But mm -hmm. that was one of the things that sparred me also to get to this place where I came up with this concept. I'm like, we ain't getting Jack. Right. <laughs> this was mm -hmm. all we got. So people right. can talk about reparations all they want to. And mm -hmm. as we go from generation to next generation to next generation, it gets murkier and murkier. There's no way that anybody can say, this is our piece as a family. I mean, you know, right after um, emancipation, when the 40 acres and the mule concept right. came up, mm -hmm. it was easier. Because right. we knew who was a former slave and who wasn't. Right. But mm. now we don't have any former slaves still alive. Mm. We have descendants of former slaves. Right. But but the 40 acres and a mule piece was revoked as soon as Lincoln got assassinated and Andrew Johnson was made president. Yeah. And he yeah. was like, we ain't doing that. So y'all right. take all that land back that y'all promised and gave them black folks down there. Right. And we ain't doing that. So do you relating to what happened with them with General uh, William T. Sherman? Yes. Uh, who, who was the uh, basically what he did? He reached an agreement 
collaborative effort um, with a group of black leaders in Savannah, Georgia. Right. And you talk about that in your piece, the mm -hmm. special field order number 15, mm -hmm. which actually uh, proposed a separate community where the black folk could be landowners and sequester mm -hmm. themselves um, from, as you write, the racist backlash from Confederate whites. And mm -hmm. um, the folk will know that may not be aware of that when you put it out in your piece that so special field order number 15 right. uh, laid out uh, 40 acres be allotted per eligible emancipated slave. Mm -hmm. They were talking about 400,000 acres have been confiscated from former Confederate slave holders in that region. Mm -hmm. And Lincoln signed the order, and the government held up the end, as you said before, until Lincoln mm -hmm. was assassinated, and Andrew mm -hmm. Jackson came in, and he revoked the order. So in summary, as you're right, the 40 acres on the mule were given and taken away very quickly. They were. And so after that happened, um, you know, we, we didn't have anything. Right. Uh, but the Morrill Act had... I think the Morrill Act, first Morrill Act, had already been um, mm -hmm. put in place. I can't. Right. I forgot the year. I know the second yeah. was in 1890. 18, 18, 1861 was. Or, yeah, that, yeah, that was the okay. first one. But mm -hmm. the, point, the point, right here, real quickly, uh, you, you say, well, okay, listen, his, everything went down this way. In summary, the 40 acres on the mule, again, was given and taken away very quickly. And so then you then you raised the question in your piece. What did emancipation provide for free slaves? Answer, yeah. HBCUs. That's it. That's exactly. what we got. Exactly. Exactly. And so, so that, as you point out, HBCUs are the only assets then that free blacks acquired after emancipation and still possess. That's, that's the point you're making. That's, that's, the, that's your reality check. HBCUs are our reparations. Reparations. That's right. what we got. That's yeah. what we have. Right. And... And if we're reaching for more, if mm -hmm. we got more, right. if it was possible to get more, finding mm -hmm. good. But right, right now, what we got is what we have. Right. Interesting enough, in that, in that particular regard, when you listen to folk uh, that are running for president and they talk about reparations, they tend to always talk about uh, put forth proposals that relate to more money for HBCUs. <laughs> exactly. And so in a sense, uh, quite frankly, they, they get it, follow me in that regard. And we're talking serious money, 50 to 70 billion, depending on who you're talking to. Right. And that is only probably what they haven't given us in the first place. And <laughs> or some fraction of that. What they're supposed to have done anyway to comply with the Moral Act. Right. Exactly. Because so, yeah, all those land-grant institutions get something. The exactly. Government. Exactly. And then, and then that's make sure it's clear. So there were two moral acts. The first one mm -hmm. uh, was basically primarily for, for, for white colleges, the Langren universities. No, they were supposed to be uh, no delineation. Exactly. But as we know, they didn't do right uh, by black folk. And right. so after all the years of uh, not complying with the first moral act, a second moral act was created. And, and so, uh, and that, you know, basically was all about, there's supposed to be uh, doing right by us. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a compromise uh, in some states uh, created just for us and all of that. But even to this mm -hmm. date, the problem, as you said, the problem before, uh, the problem still exists. The way that it's, that's all set up, I mean, the Memorial Act is, is still, it, that, they, that thing is still in place. 
And um, I believe that USDA, you know, they, they house those funds that have been appropriated and then they mm-hmm. give it back to the state. And the state is supposed to match the federal dollars dollar for dollar. Right. But several states don't do that. And so thus we have issues uh, where you said before, okay, if it's, they're talking 50 to 70 billion, that's money they really already owe us for failure to comply with the Morale Act. Right. And exactly. So something like we got to take them to school. Hey, you did. <laughs> and let them know what the deal is. And I say the school is court. And that's what did happen in Maryland and other states and South Carolina. And so it's really about being aware of what the real act is. Real quickly, if you're just joining us, you're tuning into the HBC Nation radio show. I'm your host, Anthony Ray. That have joined the broadcast today. We're blessed to have joining us for this special segment. Our good friend and our colleague, Dr. Trina Coleman. Dr. Coleman <laughs> is a consultant, educational consultant, IT uh, consultant, host of the Beyond the Classroom, which is broadcast on HBCU Radio and HBCU Smart TV. She's native of Hampton, Virginia, and a three-time alumna of Hampton University uh, with a PhD in theoretical nuclear physics. And today we're discussing her most recent blog entitled Black America, HBCUs are our 40 acres and a mule. Dr. Colbert, again, welcome to the show. Thank you. And whenever you write a blog piece, if you want to get somebody attention, start mm-hmm. it out with Black America. There you go. That's what's <laughs> up. And we need to read what's going on. And that's for everybody to understand what's really happening with that. And so, you know, I, I applaud you for all that you do, your work, and your commitment to happen to uh, advance our interests and helping us to uh, raise awareness. And this is a very thought-provoking um, piece because, as, again, as you put out in the piece, the reality check is HBCUs are our reparations, and we can't create any more of them nor get back the ones we've lost. That is correct, and that's the point I was also trying to make is that Back to this Future Act thing, Mm-hmm. That little bit of twelve dollars, I always use twelve dollars when I'm talking about a little bit of money. Right. <laughs> that, that twelve dollars is not going to sustain each of right. those schools. And, yeah, two hundred and fifty-five million out of the future act, and everybody is jumping up and down and praising the Lord and doing everything and all that as if like, oh, come, seriously, guys. But, but it's not all. We're not getting all of that. Exactly. It's but, this. It's all broke down. As you says, grouped together. The breakdown is one hundred million. Right. For HBCUs and PBIs. And I'm going to talk right. about what a PBI is. Exactly. Then there's a hundred million what? for Hispanic serving institutions. Right. And right. I found the irony in that is the fact that they're trying to deport all the people in New Mexico that came across the border. Like, how are you getting a hundred million dollars? But anyway, yeah. I, I digress. And then $55 million for the all that fall into the other categories of miscellaneous, 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 miscellaneous. miscellaneous. They Who have miscellaneous. A, what the I, heck does that mean? Who is I, miscellaneous? Let me tell you. They have one. They have a category for Native Americans. They have one for Native Alaskans. Now, aren't in Alaska part of the United States? It anyway, is. <laughs> then they have one for tribal colleges and universities. And so those are the miscellaneous ones I speak to. Right. Um, But the the whole key thing about this is that, you know, first of all, and then I say, you guys don't appreciate nothing, okay? Here y'all are. We didn't give y'all $255 million. You know what I'm saying? Go on somewhere now, okay? 
But the bottom line, we, we, you know, I, I said that facetiously, but the bottom line is that, listen, you know, we're not walking around with just with our hat in our hands. These help us master, we, you know, support our schools. Come on. Right. And, the bottom and, line is that HBCUs trigger prominently. If America is going to regain her position as number one producer of college grads in the world, and if we're going to make sure that we do all that we can, particularly in the STEM disciplines, to uh, mm -hmm. make sure everybody gets a chance. You know, this is the national security situation that we're dealing with. Absolutely. Yeah. Not, not only that, it's about us maintaining some level of power and influence in our mm -hmm. communities and uh, in this country. Mm -hmm. Because right now, our HBCUs, those are our safe spots. Right. We, we can go there as students, we can go there as uh, professors, faculty, we can go there as civic organizations. We can always count on our HBCUs mm -hmm. for support as collective black Americans. Right. If we don't have them, where are we gonna meet? Mm. Where are we gonna meet? At the Essence Fest? <laughs> I mean, you know, what? where will we go? Mm. We won't have a place to go. Mm to come together. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. Um, my alma mater uh, started Absolutely. some hundred, hundred and what, about 105, six years ago mm -hmm. uh, with the, the minister's conference. Right. We host every year the minister's right. conference from mm -hmm. over a hundred years ago. Yes, right. they come from I didn't everywhere. realize that that was established over 100 years ago, I yeah. did not know that. Yes, we had the 100th um, in 2013 or 14. But mm -hmm. yes, but it's 100, about 105 years now. Mm -hmm. But where would we go to do mm -hmm. that? We'd have mm -hmm. to rent out somebody's stadium or something. But there's no conference rooms at the stadium. I mean, you know, where would we go? We would have to right. go to a, a PWI or somewhere and do mm -hmm. that. Because if we don't have our own space, what are we going to do with it? So that's one of the things that is concerning. The other is we spend a lot of energy as black folks jumping up and down about what we ain't not getting. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you need, I mean, I'm going to use an analogy. Okay. Pressure wash the house. Why did my lights go off? Hold on. I think it's a motion sensor. Okay. We're going to pause for a second. And then yeah, it came back on with the motion. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, analogy. Mm -hmm. We got a house. We didn't bought the house. We, right. we, we complain about the interest rate or something. Mm -hmm. You still need to maintain the house and make payments on the house. Right. As opposed to, you know, going and jumping up and down at the bank saying this okay. interest rate is too high. You right. know, okay. you still got to live there. Right. Not only that, you still want to hold on to it. So right. regardless of if we get one nickel from mm -hmm. the government, mm -hmm. that's our reparations. We right. need to be doing what we can as a collective to make sure that they stay intact right. and that we stay true to our mission sure. as black people and right. supporting the institutions that allowed us to advance mm -hmm. after emancipation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just straightforward to me, <laughs> but, you know, we also have a 
coalition, a large coalition of black folks who don't believe in HBCUs. I mean, they, they acknowledge HBCUs, but ultimately they think that, you know, they're getting a better education or a better shot or whatever if they go to a PWI. Uh, whatever, man. You, you didn't have that option a hundred years ago. And the other thing is, I always tell people, and I say it to whoever's going to listen to me, uh, particularly after and during the Hidden Figures um, premiere and promotion and all that, and it's still being promoted. Those women were brilliant. They are brilliant. The ones that are still alive, they ain't going to know PWI. They learned math the way everybody else learned math. Plus, they were gifted at an HBCU. They graduated from HBCUs. They also gained backbone at those HBCUs because every one of them that I have spoken to had to ask for what they got professionally because they were relegated to certain jobs, particularly those that were computers at NASA or wherever doing the math. They mm -hmm. had to know some math to do the math. But exactly. um, when I talked to Dr. Darden, Mm -hmm. You know, and she told me how she started out in the computer pool when she went to NASA. She mm -hmm. asked, look, I got the same credentials as white dude number X over here, exactly. or letter X. Exactly. Why am I not right. over there in that group? Right. Exactly. That's how she ended up getting into the engineering group. She had to ask. That's, That's right. Katherine Johnson got where she was. Mm -hmm. That's how mm -hmm. Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson got to where they were. They had to go and stand up in some white man's face and mm -hmm. ask for what they got. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, doing those types of things were the things that, that moved our people forward. They had mm -hmm. to ask. They weren't waiting for somebody to come to them and ask them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things you learn from an HBCU. Exactly, exactly. And then let me commend you on that. And what was that like? Just reflect for a moment on a personal level. We have an opportunity to be in the company of such great women. Oh, wow. It's cool living in the Hampton Roads area. Absolutely. That's hey, where that's they are. That's yeah, where they exactly. are. Exactly. You know, so, you know so, so being able to interface with Katherine Johnson is yeah. just amazing. Wow. She, she's a sharp lady. She's mm -hmm. 101 years old. Good God Almighty. And she's wow. a joy to talk to. You just sat down and gave her recently over the holidays. She, I did indeed. Dr. Garden and others. Oh my God, it's just so in the awesome. same room at the, the same, same time. time now. You, but you, look, look, you somebody too now. PhD in medical nuclear <laughs> physics now. Come on, that Doctor Dr. Trina Coleman. You talking about the Coleman here? And yeah, we, I, I, some big news on some folk about some things we, we're getting ready to do. But yeah. I'm telling you, just to have you on. Yes. Uh, it's been special. Going back to when we first got together, I knew then, I said, oh, my God. And <laughs> well, so thank I you. Yeah, we've been uh, developing uh, this connection, our, our relationship, and now we know we're, we're talking and we're sharing, uh, mm -hmm. you and Sonia, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes. Uh, because we have, that's how important um, this whole thing is. We're ready to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> now, Please if you're stop. just joining us, you're tuned in to the HBC Nation Radio Show. I'm your host, Anthony Ray. Glad to have you joining the broadcast today. And we're blessed to have, joining us for this segment, our good friend, our colleague, Dr. Trina Coleman. She's an educational and IT consultant and host of Beyond the Classroom 
broadcasts on HBCU Nation Radio and HBCU Smart TV. She is a native of Hampton, Virginia, and three-time uh, alum of Hampton University with a PhD in theoretical nuclear physics. And today we are discussing her most recent blog, Black America, HBCUs are our 40 acres and a mule. Again, welcome back to the broadcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think that's, this is that, a that, that, that's, that's the reality check, though. Really, HBCUs mm -hmm. are our reparations. Everybody say that. HBCUs mm -hmm. are, are our reparations. reparations. Okay. And again, I, I, I think, you know, folks start to understand it and get that because bottom line, whenever everything goes down, they ain't writing no check to everybody. Pookie ain't getting no check. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. praise God. Okay, if we get that, you know, HBCUs, I say, oh, I want my money. But hey, listen, you understand that as you put out, HBCUs are the, and I quote you here from your paper, are the only assets that free blacks acquired after emancipation and still what? Possess. Possess. Come on, guys. Possess. That's it right there. Come on. Come on. Yes. And, because, and you, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and, Everybody doesn't go to college. I get right. that. Right. But it, at the same time, right. Right. HBCUs impact communities. It's not right. an individual, it's a collective. Right. You know, you get your you get your, your divine nine groups, you get your right. other groups, you have your right. students that do volunteer work. We have our day of service coming up on Monday right. and 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 organizations and um, things like that. They coordinate activities for the day of service. And it's not just on the campuses, outside beyond beyond the classroom and beyond the campus where right. those types of things are done. Mm -hmm. So HBCUs are a staple for black America writ right. large, not just for alums or right. students, because right. we still black have a America lot. at large. Yes, exactly. we still are in over a hundred years after slavery, we still have first gens. I'm a first gen right. graduate right. of an age right. of period in my right. family. I'm a first right. gen. Right. And um, so the fact that we are still having first gens and firsts and this and that, just imagine we didn't have any HBCUs. My God, I can't. I okay, mean, that's I mean, now that's, that's, that's I scary mean, stuff. zero gins. Yeah, <laughs> there be that's, families. That's, that's scary stuff. It's very yeah, scary we, stuff. We need, to, we need to have some. You and I, you did a piece on that. We're going to put it back up. What would America look like if there were no HBCUs? Oh, my God. A, a what? You know what hmm. I'm saying? And we, we really have to understand that HBCUs matter and, mm -hmm. and the role that we have played historically now and also into the future. And quite frankly, I, I think folk get that. Folk that need to know get that, uh, i.e. the HBCU Bipartisan Caucus. Mm -hmm. It has to be the, one of the largest bipartisan caucuses on the hill. Mm -hmm. And those folk are talking. They care. They get, They see. And so I got to give them a shout out with that, led by Alma Adams, Democrat North Carolina, and, and Bradley Byrne. I remember Republican from from, uh, uh, from Alabama and, and, and our friend, um, uh, Mark Walker and mm -hmm. Tim Scott, uh, Republican out of South Carolina. So we got the Dems and Republicans uh, working together on the HBCU bipartisan caucus. As mm -hmm. you said earlier on, you know there was a lot of uh, you know everyone's very excited by uh, the the passage of the Future Act. But you took time <laughs> you took time to take a look at that to break down some of the details, and you know that's that's a Ooh. good thing. 
And folks, I got to be afraid to take a look at that. Look at the details. And I just, so we can understand what's, what the real deal is with that. Yes. And what I want to cover right now is the part where in the Future Act, they put HBCUs and PBIs, predominantly black institutions, together. Now, right. just because an HBCU is predominantly black, there's mm -hmm. a usually there's a difference between an HBCU and a PBI. Break a it down. A predominantly black institution, as defined by federal law, mm -hmm. is any institution that is at minimum 40, now listen to me carefully, 40% black Americans. I got the 40. 40% black American and 50% right. or more um, financial need right. or low first, income individuals. Low income of first income. generation. Right. Now, right. Right. And or or not both. They don't have right. to be both. And, One or other. And or. I got you. So right. let's say these 40 black Americans come from prominent families where they don't need aid. Right. And their parents are college grads. So they right. don't fall into either of those categories. They are right. not low income and mm. they are not first generation. Mm. They just happen to be at this college or university. Right. right. So already it's just 40%, which is less than the majority. Right. 50% are low income and first gen. Mm -hmm. or first gen. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be black. They just right. have to be low income and mm -hmm. or first gens. I see. I caught it. See, they, they see that. See then that? you got this 10% that's wild card. Wow. <laughs> they can fall in neither category or right. they can fall in one of the others. But right. let's look at the, the minimum requirements mm -hmm. for a PBI. 40% right. blacks, 50% low income or first gen, 10% wild card. They can right. be Asian. Right. You got 40% blacks mm -hmm. and you still got a predominantly black institution. Predominant means the most or the largest or the, the largest number. Predominant right. means right. you are the majority or you're in charge or you have a level of power. Right. Black folks, A, we know that ain't true. <laughs> B, 40% is not a majority of right. 100%. Right. Mm. How are you going to turn a school that's not mm. numerically right. predominantly black into right. a PBI? Right. That's, that's that trickery wording that oh, comes in that fine mm. print mm -hmm. that we don't read. Right. Wow. Therefore, we are, in theory, sharing money with mm -hmm. institutions that may or may not have a majority of black students. Interesting. Mathematically speaking. Right. Or the assumption is that black students are going to be poor, too. Mm. Or Christians. Right, so, exactly. Sure. I which, which mm. by the way, mm -hmm. leads into the other piece where the ones that are well off or better off financially, middle class blacks, upper class blacks, mm -hmm. they're not going to send their kids to those schools anyway. Mm -hmm. They're going to go somewhere else. So, right. mm. you know, then once again, 
we still have these PBIs. I'm gonna put air quotes on them, PBIs. Right. Where they're sharing money with HBCUs, which is now watering down the percentage of money going to each HBCU. Right. So if if the number of PBIs grows to 5,000, and I'm just pulling the number. Okay, sure. And we got what, 103 to five HBCUs. Right. How how are we going to get a dollar out of that? Right. Interesting. Mm. Because then they put in fourth 255 million, but then they they break that down. To 100 million. Right, 100. But we got to share it with 5,000 PBIs. (laughs) (laughs) How that work? How that work? Right. Mm. See? So that that you said breaking down, so looking at the uh, the, the math, math implications, right? <laughs> I just do data. I'm I'm. Right. This is not an opinion piece. This right. is a piece sure. based on research right. and data. So therefore, as you put the so I like you said so. Uh, this little exercise of word parsing demonstrates one dangerous and glaring conclusion that you write: predominantly black institutions do not have to be predominantly black. Mm. Right, not based and, on the and, way the law is written or the rules and, or whatever. And basically, so federal resources then have HBCUs and PBIs are all rolled up into one pool of money. Mm-hmm. And and 1964 uh, has passed us by. Therefore, no more HBCUs. No, interesting. This is interesting, and this, no one is a, no one has come come. come <laughs> Um, with this, the, from this angle, provide this kind of perspective and analysis as you have done in this piece. People get emotional. You got to put the emotional piece aside mm-hmm. and see what's going on legislatively mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you can pick up your torches and or whatever your picket signs. We're not picking up torches. We don't do that on right. our side That's of the right. fence. Right. We pick up signs. Right. <laughs> and so... Yeah. Before you pick your sign up, mm. read read it and see the what law. Right. Read and see what the rules of engagement. I don't even call it a law. It's rules of engagement at this point for us and mm. the government, because mm. as long as they word stuff a particular way, mm-hmm. then they can say. I mean, you know, no, that no, y'all not doing that. We can't. We're not doing that. Re- you know, it's written down somewhere mm-hmm. where. Minority serving institutions have a different definition from a predominantly black institution from right. an HBCU. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. read. You got to read it. You got to be educated about what's going on before you can start being mad about it. You got to know what you're mad about. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, you put it very forth in your call to action. You say, if we aren't more vigilant about support and advocacy and sustainability, the one thing that our freed ancestors got that remotely resembles reparations will slip away right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. In other words, 40, 40, no 40 acres, no mule, no HBCUs, nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Dr. Trina Coleman, educational IT consultant and host of Beyond the Classroom on HBCU Radio and HBCU Smart TV. She is a native of Hampton, Virginia and a three-time alumna of Hampton University with a PhD in theoretical nuclear physics. And she's my good friend and colleague. Thank <laughs> you for time uh, hanging out with us today. We, we appreciate Absolutely. that. 
and 2020, we'll be doing this much more often because we got to make sure that we keep uh, things going and make sure folk are woke to what the real deal is. Yes, and one more thing. Mm -hmm. um, on the 14th of January, mm -hmm. the census started their mass media advertising mm -hmm. um, rollout. So right. they are like in full effect rolling out their media products around participating in the census. Mm -hmm. um, and there are things that are glaringly uh, omitted in some of those uh, advertisements as well. We're going to talk about that. We're going to lay it all out because the 2020 census is underway. And as you put out that, we all count. We all count. And so we got to set aside and do a special segment on that to make sure everybody woke and we understand what the deal is with that. So, uh, yes, I got, I got you right now. Let's make sure we uh, hold each other accountable and then we get back as soon as possible to right. do, do a special segment on the 2020 census. Because what I found out this morning was that there are a whole lot of people, they have a category of people that are in um, group institutions or group mm. housing or group something like nursing right. homes, sure. colleges, That's military, and some other things. So we're going to talk about that and how many people yeah. are incarcerated right. and the percentage of those people that may or may not get counted because they get counted by another entity. Hmm. So much so, to talk about. Yeah, make sure that we talk about. Hey, thank you for all that you do. You are the real deal. My home girl, <laughs> let the Trina call mine. Thank you. Always thank a you pleasure. So Until next time, God bless. Thank you. Okay.